have fun. I think that people are love being irreverent. I think just like like not trying to take myself too seriously or all the stuff so seriously and just like having this edge of humor and like what comedians even do for our society right now and like and laughter at ourselves, like at our weaknesses and our fears and how serious we take ourselves and like everything. It's just having fun and being irreverent is it's like a dose of magic. Welcome to Conversations with Claire. I'm your host, Claire Bates. I'm a movement, nutrition, and mindset coach through my app, Wellness with Claire. Podcast host, coach at The Collective in Austin, Texas, sober alcoholic, brand builder, and competitive hybrid athlete. I've created this podcast to share inspiring stories and have meaningful conversations in hopes that we can create community together to learn and grow. Oh, and I hope to make you laugh. (laughs) Welcome to Conversations with Claire. Let's talk about coaching and how to get from where you are now to where you want to be. Wellness with Claire is my very own coaching platform where I offer personalized meal plans, personalized workout plans based on your goals, accountability through community and weekly group coaching calls, mindset coaching, and tracking features for results. I also offer one-on-one coaching, which gives you full app access, direct access to me via WhatsApp, and 100% accountability with me, including weekly video calls. Wellness is a mental, physical, and spiritual experience. The system works together as a whole, and I'm here to help you live in alignment with your principles and values and actualize a quality of life beyond your current dreams. Check the show notes or the links in bios on socials to find more information about how to get involved with Wellness with Claire today. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Claire. Today, my guest is Angelo Keeley. He is the co-founder and current CEO of Keon, which is a supplement and functional food company. I first heard about Angelo whenever I was connected to him. I think it was via email, maybe DMs. And I was told to go listen to the episode of the Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast that he had been on as a guest. And so I did go consume that and was immediately like, wow, okay. That was very entertaining and he's an interesting guy. And also he's super educated. I felt like I was informed thoroughly about topics that you're passionate about as well as just hearing some of your story. So anyway, welcome to my podcast and thank you for being here today. Thanks, Claire. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah. Okay. So we will get into more of that education stuff, but I want to kind of start back, of course, with actually you are originally from the Austin, Texas area, which is where I live now. And so you want to kind of walk me through a little bit of like pre-now, Angelo? (laughs) Yeah, sure. I'm from Austin. I was born in a little town called Wimberley outside of Austin. And being raised in Austin at that time, I'm 39. It was the 80s. And I had super hippie parents that had really moved there to like be part of whatever that countercultural hippie natural food supplement scene was. And they were like in it. My dad was like in the botanical import business, like importing ginseng and other types of botanical ingredients for supplements in the 70s. 
And then they had a natural health food store, natural health food restaurant. I was born at home. I never went to like a normal doctor as a kid. I got my birth certificate when I had to because I was going to first grade. I didn't go to kindergarten. When I finally went to first grade, they're like, all right, we have to get your birth certificate so you can even like go. So it was very, I think just probably alternative natural health at that time. And my parents were also though really into fitness. My mom was a master swimmer. And so I would just say like the values of our family were nutrition, physical movement and health. And I would say like entrepreneurship, you know, business, like doing your own thing. And they raised me in a part of town that was more like we moved to Austin. It was more traditional, mainstream. So I just got used to like being the really weird hippie kid that never had a haircut and brought weird lunches to school. I've been just like figuring out how to fit in. So I think that has a lot to do with like my whole life, but just like being confident in who I am, being passionate about my values and health and business and all that kind of being part of it. So yeah, it was like, I think that says a lot about who I am. Is there more than that you want? You want like the adolescent mess, which oftentimes I feel like I end up talking about. A bit. I definitely think it's very interesting and I, I know certain details about it, but I also already think it's so cool to know that I knew that you had parents with some sort of entrepreneurial background, but I did not realize that actually they were in this like wellness world, which is where you are today. So like that actually started all the way in childhood for you, whether you were aware of it at the time or not. That's really cool. Yeah, it's definitely like, well, I, maybe that's a good transition then too. I think oftentimes we're brought up in an environment and the values that we have, like we don't even know how distinct they are. I mean, I knew again, because we were different, like the health values we had were not necessarily the same as what all the other, my other friends had, but I didn't really question them. They weren't necessarily like mine. They were like my parents and my families. And so I had them. And then in high school, being a very bold personality as I am, and with parents that I think have bold personalities, like I wanted to figure out everything on my own. And I got really into social stuff and partying and drugs and lots of trouble with the law. And unfortunately, one time I took way too much LSD and I basically had a psychotic break. I was in a part of town where people were more hardcore than me, I guess. And not intentionally, I provoked a fight with people who were much more hardcore than me. And they beat the shit out of me and stabbed me twice in the back and stabbed me in the knee and severed my patella tendon. I'd have emergency abdominal surgery because like my, I mean, I had big stab wounds in my back and I woke up in the hospital days later. And that for me was a wake up call at 16 in terms of like, whoa, I'm mortal. I'm fragile. I can't just do anything I want to do. What's important to me? What do I care about? At the same time, being like just full of fear and trauma and like totally freaked out. And it really kicked off, I think the way I see it, like my own health journey, not my parents' health journey, but my decision to like, be like, whoa, I want to exercise. I want, I want to be running and I want to be getting stronger. And what does nutrition mean to me? As a kid, I was raised pescatarian. And so we thought a lot about protein actually, because we had an amino acids. Um, amino acids were one of the first supplements I remember my mom giving to me as a little kid, like three or four, because we thought so much about that, but it didn't really mean anything to me. And then when I'm like 16, I'm like, whoa, like, how much protein am I getting? Is it quality? I'm thinking, you know, what's my exercise like? Am I getting the right micronutrients? I'm thinking, man, I should probably go to therapy. Not just because like my parents say I'm messed up and I need to go to therapy, but I need to figure out what's going on and why I'm making these kinds of decisions. And that's really, I think I got into cold therapy and heat therapy and like all these things, I guess later on became like biohacking. They were just alternative health stuff in Austin in 2000. Was that sort of stuff popular here then? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't popular probably to the degree that it's popular now, but of all places that you would be, I mean, Austin, I think 
has always been a college town. It's always been more open to new and different things. So it was, yeah, I mean, I don't know what other cities to compare it to, but like other college towns, like, yeah, there was access to those types of ideas. I wasn't like, I was being exposed to them by many people. I mean, I hung out at Barton Springs though, like all the time. So like probably today we're to like the hippie alt health kids hang out at Barton Springs. That's where I was. So <laughs> that's what I got exposed to. I mean, there was tons of yoga. There was tons of, yeah, it, it was around. Yeah. That's so cool. I think that in a way, a lot of what I was hearing in what I've consumed about your upbringing was very different. And I mean, this is very different. The idea that you start to get curious about aminos and micronutrients as a 16-year-old boy is like not the typical path. And I relate heavily to like the party path because where I come from, that was what we did, right? But then to know that you got super curious, like 16 is just a very young age to start. I think a lot of like boys in high school and so on start to know like, oh, we're going to eat protein and get strong and we get girls. That checks. But to go even deeper at that young age, that's a little unique. And I bet that some of that had to do with your childhood. Yeah. I mean, I think I guess I want to balance that with like a couple of different angles. Like one is for sure, I was still a 16 year old boy. <laughs> and so like my drive towards like wanting to be accepted socially and wanting to have a cute girlfriend and like all those things were very much there and wanting to be however like a 16 year old guy wants to be physically attractive like I was motivated by things like that and my sense of like my interest of protein and amino acids is definitely a lot more nuanced a lot more science based a lot more longevity functional health focused now than it was then that said I was excited about my life and had perspective about everything that I was doing that was different than anyone that didn't have a psychotic break and get stabbed on acid and recover from it. Like that creates a context where you're like, whoa, right? So I think anyone who's gone through something really traumatic and they have figured out a way to incorporate that as not something positive, but like it's a learning lesson. It's something that helps them live their life better. They look at things differently, right? Like they don't look at it like all the kids that maybe just had a normal partying high school and played football and like wanted to be stronger, right? It's different if you experience something poignant. Yeah. So what do you think your biggest perspective shifts were at that time? Like you go through this experience, you're 16 years old, you spend a few days in the hospital, you've been stabbed, all of the details. And I cannot even, I mean, I just can't put myself there. I actually have an interesting story I even told yesterday about the very first time that I did that drug acid. And it was not a consensual situation. I did not say that I wanted it. It was given to me unknowingly. Yes. And so, I mean, just where I'm from and the environments I was in, things like that would occur. And so thankfully, I was informed before I started a trip, right? And I was like, oh, okay. So I let a couple of people know like this has occurred now and I guess I need to ride this wave and whatever. I would, of course, never advocate for anyone ever doing that to anyone ever, 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 ever. But interesting thing. But nonetheless, when you come out of that experience, like you say, it was like a psychotic break. And I have to my knowledge, I've had some pretty transformative experiences in life. I don't know that I've ever had a psychotic break. And so you, what, like, where did you go from? Like you come out of that, you're still the 16 year old kid, but like, what are you doing differently then? So to clarify, I use the language psychotic break. And that's language that I think I've learned later in my life as an adult and trying to understand what happened. I'm not like a clinician. So I don't know if that's exactly what happened. All I know is like, it was totally otherworldly and totally full of fear and full of, it's honestly what, what my psychotherapist told me. Yeah. If that's what your psychotherapist said, that's her thing. Well, we'll believe her. <laughs> yeah. And so in terms of like what changed in me, I think what changed in me changed in me over time. And I think that's one of the ways I look at that experience was that 
for someone of that age, really, I think someone of any age, that is a gigantic dose of experience to try to metabolize and incorporate into yourself all at once, which I think is part of like maybe why it led to psychotic break or it turned into what it turned into. And when you like go through that much, so much at one time, it's like, the, I don't know, like as we get older, right, we get like what we get wise. And I think we get wise as we get older because we have more experiences, we have failures, we learn from them. And it's like step by step, you do it, right? You have that kind of experience that is like a gigantic half dose of wisdom. You get the gigantic half dose of the experience, but you don't have any of the additional time to like process it and to learn from it and to try to incorporate it. So I would say probably, I think honestly, in 2022, basically after 22 years, I think I maybe not completely done, but I like, I finally got to a place where maybe I finally processed it all. And that was through honestly re-engaging with a ton of psychoanalysis, like in 2021, 2022, and a lot of therapy over the years and different types of modalities. So I don't think it's like an immediate thing that changed. <laughs> it was like, I got the imprints of all the things to try to process and figure out. And then it kickstarted a process of trying to work through them. But for sure, things that changed were a seeking for meaning in life that was existential. And I think we all always have some element of that in our life, whether you're raised in a faith tradition or you're not or you lose a parent, or someone close to you dies, or you have a near-death experience, like you somehow get exposed to like, it's not just like your work and your job and the school and the blah. And it's like, whoa, like I'm like life, death, meaning. And it just was like a lightning rod. I mean, it was like the most intense lightning rod of my mortality. And so from that, I got so interested in trying to like be healthy and be okay. It really turned me on to like wanting to study spiritual traditions and philosophy. It's like, I ended up going to, I never was like that interested in religion before that. And in college, my degree ended up being religious studies. Like I went deep into it. I like learned classical Greek and learned Arabic and like went to India. And I mean, I just was like, so it turned on a desire to like try to find the meaning of life that was there before, but it was like pretty intense after. My dad was a religious studies guy too, by the way. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Like that is, I can only imagine what going that deep and that broad on spirituality has done to your psyche. I mean, I just can't even imagine because I haven't done that, but I've watched it with my dad and it's interesting to see how it's kind of shaped him a bit. But so, okay. So you get emancipated at 17 and then you go and start doing yoga retreats in India and things like that, right? Like you're definitely on an untraditional path, I would say in this meaning seeking mode, right? Yeah. I mean, that's another good point too. I don't know that I would have thought of bad trip happen when I was 16 and a half. And I decided when I was 17 to become emancipated. So I started supporting myself on my 17th birthday. So the whole last year and a half of high school and like I took a lot more responsibility and accountability for my life. And then I went to college and supported myself all through that. And so I end up getting pretty into yoga. I actually was in India. That, so that first time I was in India, I spent a month working at an orphanage in the South, working, volunteering, like working with the kids. I, I honestly, I became way more interested in other people too. I mean, that was a gigantic shift. It's like, wow serving other people and learning from other people's experience and being with them and helping them and like seeing what I can learn from that. So I did a month of that. And then I did a month of intensive yoga study at an ashram in the North. And that led me to this other very profound experience where I was in a bus in the foothills of the Himalayas and my bus and another bus collided and the other bus fell off a cliff and tumbled hundreds of meters. And I was one of the few able-bodied people that was comfortable to climb down this cliff and try to 
save the people that we could save. And I think my previous experience that was in the bucket of trauma was like me almost more clearly provoking something that was too much for me, choosing to take a psychedelic, choosing to be in an environment that wasn't safe for me. Like I didn't mean for any of that to happen, but I made decisions to get there. Whereas like in this India bus experience, clearly again, I chose to go to India, which is like, you know, more more likely to have probably an event like that happen. And I was I'll end up in the mountains, et cetera. But it was like, whoa, like this fragility of life and trauma can happen to anyone, anytime. And then these people on this bus provoked this. They were just born into this life. And it was a lot of dead people and a lot of dying people that were kind of all over this cliff. And it really, like in that moment, I felt like very present and was just trying to support and help the people I could help. And coming out of that, I... um you know, I ended up like after it was basically like a day of doing that. Like I hitchhiked back to the ashram and I went back to my room there and just tried to like lie down and I don't know, just kind of like process through things. And I just started like shaking violently. And only years later, which is maybe part of this thread that I shared earlier, where it's like, yeah, it's maybe it's taken me 20 years to kind of process everything in my life. Years later, when I worked in behavioral healthcare and started learning about trauma more, I, I realized, oh, the natural trauma response for animals is actually for them to shake. You know, if an animal gets hit by a car or something, it'll shake to release that. And so clearly, like whatever had happened, or I think whatever had happened in the experience when I was 16, the work that I had done to try to incorporate that, understand it, be more of myself, be healthier, happier, led me to some more intuitive response in this situation where I got exposed to trauma, where I just like, I intuitively just started shaking and, and shook it out. Unfortunately, I think still that experience went unresolved for a long time because it was really hard and really scary. But yeah, it's kind of like each thing kind of plays into the next lesson and you learn more and more about yourself and about what's your natural response and how to be in the world. And yeah, it's weird. It's like, I don't know. You prompted this with like, you were different, right? Like you're like doing yoga in these places. And I was like, I like, yeah, I was definitely different. And then I almost, I got more of these different experiences, right? Maybe I don't know if it's like a chain reaction, but for sure in my life, I see like it's different types of experiences. It's some kind of alternative parallel, like alternative path that's unfolding upon itself. Well, at the very least, it's given you perspective and certainly sounds like it's provided you with your, your fair share of trauma, unfortunately. But then also with that, like the pain bears beauty in its wake thing is also real of like, these experiences that you underwent that I cannot relate to. I've never been in India and a bus going down and being around all of these people who are no longer alive. Like I cannot even put myself there. And in one hand, I want to be like, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. And then on the other hand, it's like, you just have different perspective than I do, right? It's simply different. And so you go through this journey over there of experiencing like working the orphanage and then going and doing a lot of like meditation. My understanding that was like a big, big part of your journey. And so, which is interesting because meditation is so healing, right? And so while you're simultaneously like incurring these things that would clearly be defined as trauma, you're also doing a significantly larger dose of healing than the average bear is too. Whether it was like intentional knowing or not, you were putting a lot of energy there. Perspective. Yeah. That is, I hadn't really like paired those two together, but I would definitely say the extremes have been like a theme in my life. <laughs> like the extremes of kind of like a minimalism and asceticism and contemplation and meditation with like really intense extreme stuff, you know, <laughs> and they somehow, they coexist. Yeah, the yin and the yang there. <laughs> 
Okay. So then from there, you decide at some point that you want to get after it and like build a business, right? I mean, I think that where do we go from we're doing these retreats over in India? Like then what? I mean, it's kind of a jump, I think, to get all the way to this current business to key on. But I'd say like the basic thread is after that, I honestly kind of shift and turn more from wanting to do as much personal development and the spiritual seeking and service and stuff more to like, I want to be successful and I want to be successful and I want to be internationally successful. Like, I feel like I kind of have this knack. I learned in college, I had a willingness actually, I don't know if it's a knack, but I, I was always a musician and I actually supported myself as a musician through college. I did commercial beatboxing and I did like, I was a live performer. And so that was like my, that was like how I made money. But I never really knew, I never studied languages like at all. And in college, I started studying languages and I was like, whoa, like you can like total, like I can just like learn a language, you know, if, I, if I'm willing to work at it. And it just kind of opened up again, like I think a whole new world to me. Like, I don't know, maybe too, like those really intense traumatic experiences made me more open and willing to look and sound stupid and learning a language, which if you're willing to look and sound stupid and learning a language as an adult, you can learn it really fast because you have your full cognitive capabilities to study grammar, to study vocabulary, to just like figure it out. You're just going to sound like a two-year-old and then a three-year-old and then a four-year-old and then a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, to like finally you sound like an adult. So that took me overseas for several years. I lived in France. That's really where I started my career. And then I ended up back in India and worked there. And after all this, actually, I had my fiance, who's now my wife, was with me this whole period, all these adventures together. It was time to have babies, basically. Like she had made it very clear. <laughs> she was like ready. And so I quit my job in India. And like the next day, we moved to Boulder, Colorado. And that was because that's where she wanted to be. And so I think I just chose Carrie. I chose that focus. I said, I'm going to do that. And then everything also focused around it. And then once I was back in the States, I had a few different businesses and did software development. I ran a behavioral healthcare company and found a lot of cool success and had new experiences running much bigger companies I had run before, managing bigger staffs. And, and yet, and I had some kids. I have two kids now. They're eight and 10, almost eight. And I think after like a couple years of that being back here, I was like, I want like I, that thirst for something deeper, more personal, like the thing I love, the thing I want. And I think really like creating, I think I was always an artist, but like being able to create something, which maybe going back to like this idea of when you go through hard things, you have so much more uh, resilience, capacity, perspective. Then when you go into like a creator phase to make things, you can bring all that, like you can bring all this experience that you've had to do that. And I think I was like ready, like I wanted to do that. And there's not some like super strategic thinking around it. When I go back and look at it now, it's like, I, it kind of ended up back where my parents were. I ended up back in the supplement space. I ended with amino acids, which were like the thing that my mom loved and would be like, Angie, take these, aren't these amazing? It's not some crazy new, I'm not like redefining myself so different from them. I'm not even doing like the most innovative thing. Like even at like the heart of like my business, our business is what are the most legit products? Like what are like the supplements and the foods that really make sense? They have like decades of science behind them. I personally would use that we can make it the super high premium quality and we would want to take. That's what we make. It's not about like, oh, this thing is the super cool new thing and blah, 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 or some kind of like weird take on science. It's like, what's the good stuff? And then, all right, now let's hire who we believe are like the best people and create the culture that we love to be part of and make marketing and creative that we love and do the best with packaging and do the best with like all of our partners and make the best products and do the best customer service we can do. It's just like trying to like 
live that good life and live the good life with all of the stakeholders and all the people that we're, that I'm in relationship with. And so that's where I, how I ended up where I am now. Yeah. So what like called you back to this? So you do, you go build these other businesses and then you eventually get to this place where you feel this desire to create something of your own and you come back to what your mama brought you up on. But like, so was there something, I mean, was it just because of the impact that those things have had on your life? Like, was that the driving force of this is why I want to do this thing? Or, or what made you decide to like really narrow in on this business? Of all the things that like one can focus on, that I can focus on, that I think are like key to, in terms of a product, right? Or service that are like key to a good life. I mean, it really comes down to like how you think, how you relate to others, how you move and what you put in your body. So it's only those four things I'm going to choose amongst. <laughs> it's like those, like it's, it's going to be either something around like education or something around like relationship type stuff, or it's going to be like movement related things, or it's going to be nutrition focused. And yeah, I think calling, I don't know. There's not some like super logical, it's, you know, just calling. Well, and I think it's really cool too. You mentioned these four, it sounds like four pillars, whatever we want to call them. And you are actually, although you may be creating nutritional products predominantly, you are working in that world of relationship with everything that you do. It does have to do with the way that you move your body and the way that you engage with others. I mean, it sounds like you're actually getting to play in all of those sandboxes through creating a product that maybe is in one, right? I love that. I feel like that's my answer next time, I guess, because even the way you frame that, I'm like, wow. Yeah, because like if it had just, I don't know, if it had just been like thinking or something, some kind of like coaching business around helping people like think better or therapeutic business, it would be how exactly does like the movement and like the eating, I guess you could, right? Because you could be helping people think through how they need to improve their thinking to do the commit and do more of the movement they really want to do in their life or to change their eating behaviors or something. But like it is interesting if you choose the nutrition angle, it really connects to the other ones. Like inherently, you're going to do relating. Inherently, you're, you're going to be talking to people about the way that they think. And inherently, you're going to be collaborating with movement-based partners. It's like, that's who they all relate to each other. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think this wellness Thank bucket you. is a really cool Th- place Thanks, to- Coach Claire. <laughs> well, I mean, I get it because I offer, of course, coaching, right? And so like, it's like, yeah, I offer the resources of the movement and the nutrition and whatever of like recommendations there and programming there and whatnot. But like where my thing is, I'm like, I'm just going to get in between those ears and we're going to get to work. So, But I guess I just relate to you. I do not have a nutritional product to produce and sell. And I think, by the way, with yours, which we're going to get into that of like why it's your thing and and the education that you have around it, because I think that was something that really stood out to me was like, you're very educated on it and your ability to inform people about why it should be incorporated was just something I found impressive whenever I listened to that episode. But anyway, yeah, it's just like, oh, you do get to really do all the things because we're all whole humans, right? And like wellness is a whole experience, like the whole thing. We can't just isolate one factor like your teams that you work with at work, are you working on a brand for a nutritional thing? Sure. But like, I'm sure that within your teams, that culture you talked about, we got to look at the other stuff. Like we have to, if we want to be well-rounded. And so you do get to play in all the sandboxes. So anyway, okay. So why aminos? (laughs) Why aminos? I think aminos are like, why aminos for me? Or why do we make aminos? Or what are they? Like, there's so many ways to talk about it. Why did you get interested? What do you mean when you ask why aminos? 
So was that your very first yeah. product okay. to so produce? We produced a few at first, but it was one of the first. So the way that I think about aminos are that fundamentally amino acids, so as a nutritional supplement, but amino acids are one of the most important, overlooked, and fundamental nutrients for so many reasons. And three major reasons that people really care about. They're really important to help you with your actual, like just pure quality of life today, how well you think, what your energy levels are, the function of your organs, like everything. Number two, they really impact short-term performance. Like whether you want to talk about like exercise performance, recovery, or you want to talk about like body composition, which I think is another performance idea. It's like, I want to look this way, right? Which is not about purely, I'd say, quality of life. It's like with a specific goal. And third, they have a huge impact on longevity. So literally how long you live and how well you're going to live. And there are other important nutrients to think about in life, but they are so key to that. And they are valuable to so many people that if you're going to, if I'm going to invest my time and my energy and my focus and like podcast, right? Right now, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about my life. This is the sands of my life going through an hourglass. So like, what's an actual thing that's like worth the time to talk about, to spend one's life on that like has meaning? Like, yes, nutrition, but like if there's a supplement, like what's a supplement that's actually worth like living for, like living for promoting and talking about and spending time on and trying to do better? And I think protein and amino acids are definitely worth that. And so why is that? Like, why is that important? I think it really starts with what is protein and what are amino acids? And the simplest way to break it down is that there's protein that we think and we talk about in terms of macronutrients that we eat. And then there's just like proteins that we generally talk about like in biology, right? Like the proteins in our body, right? Not like our muscle, but like people, even when you start getting into conversations of DNA and RNA, et cetera, people are like, oh, there's a biological function of proteins. They're, they're very connected and they're very connected because as a human being, the way that we use carbohydrates and fat primarily is as an energy source. We consume these and then we use them to literally like power our machine. We convert them into ATP and we, it helps us to move. The primary role of protein and amino acids, because now here's the, the simple breakdown is protein are made up of amino acids. There's 20 amino acids that make up the proteins that we eat. The primary role of those proteins to help replenish the proteins in our body. And that is because the proteins in our body are in a constant state of breaking down and then rebuilding themselves. And when they break down, they break down into individual amino acids. The amino acids that can't be reused get turned into urea and peed out. And then we need new amino acids to help rebuild those proteins. So like, well, what are we talking about when we say proteins in our body? We're talking our liver, our kidneys, our heart, our skin, our eyeballs. You know, it's like over 50% of the solid mass in our body is made up of proteins and thus made of amino acids. And all of those are in some state of breaking down and needing to be resynthesized. So when we eat protein outside of, our, we take a piece of protein that's, that's food and we eat it, we chew it up, it gets digested and broken down into the individual amino acids. And then those amino acids get used to rebuild the proteins in our body. So again, if you're just kind of getting to like, what's a product we're thinking about spending time talking about, clearly there's like really significant meaning around this. So why, should I just keep going? Absolutely. I am spectating right now. I'll let you know when I want to not spectate. You keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So why an amino acid supplement? Why not protein? Well, we do have a protein 
I think that there's great, I can imagine being in a business where you created really healthy whole food proteins and we have a grass-fed whey protein isolate that I spent months sourcing to find the absolute best source. It's the highest quality. It's awesome. And I really believe in grass-fed whey protein isolate of this quality. And it's an awesome product and it's really good. And I consume it almost every day. So protein is a great product. Okay, well, why, why free-form amino acids? Why an essential amino acid supplement? This is where it's helpful to break down the role of specific amino acids in protein synthesis. And this is one of the things where I think it's surprisingly little known, even within fitness communities, I think it's surprisingly little known how important the essential amino acids are and the distinct role they play. And this is not from one, two, three, four, five. This is like from over a hundred studies, hundreds of studies, studies from NASA, the NIH, et cetera. It's been highly studied. And the fundamental breakdown is that when you consume a really high quality protein, like a grass-fed whey protein isolate, less than half of it is essential amino acids, which is not a bad thing or a good thing. Those other non-essential amino acids are good for you to consume on a daily basis. And the essential amino acids are not only essential because your body can't create them, which is the typical, well, that's actually, that is their definition. That's why they're called essential. Uh, they're called essential because your body can't make them. Your body can synthesize the other non-essential amino acids from the essential amino acids, from those nine essential amino acids, it can synthesize the other 11 and other derivative amino acids. But the other reason why these essential amino acids are so important, and this has been proven again and again and again and again, is that they have crossover studies of, for essential amino acids only, non-essential amino acids only, essential amino acids plus the non-essential amino acids and studies. The essential amino acids generate all of the muscle protein synthesis. The non-essential amino acids, do, they, they are used as in the actual building of the muscle or the actual building of proteins, they are used as a material, you might say, but they do not contribute to any increase in muscle protein synthesis. So a free form essential amino acid supplement using an ideal formula, which we can get into later, has all the nine essential amino acids in a certain proportion. When consumed gram for gram compared to a whole food protein source, that's ideal, like grass-fed whey protein isolate. And there's way less ideal, like plant sources, et cetera it will generate twice the muscle protein synthesis in a healthy young adult at rest. If you do that before resistance exercise, three times as much muscle protein synthesis as a whey protein isolate. If you're older and over the age of 40, you start to lose your ability to digest proteins and to break them down into their individual amino acids, and you have more difficulty, you're less sensitive to the stimulation of muscle protein synthesis. And suddenly those free form amino acids and something like Keon aminos become three, four, five times the impact on muscle protein synthesis, the synthesis of new proteins than a whole food protein, an ideal whole food protein. So in the space of supplementing, if I really want to help athletes be more active, if I really want to help aging adults maintain their muscle and have a more vibrant later stage of life, and I didn't really get into it, but also if you if you're, have a targeted reason for lowering fat mass, but maintaining lean muscle, there's nothing more efficient than free-form amino acids as a supplement like that's an awesome product. Like that is a product that creates tons of value in tons of people's lives if done well. So I think so this is really, bro, are you sure you're hyped on it? I couldn't tell. No, I think it's wonderful. It's what you do for a living. So I'm like happy to know it's working for you. So what I think, you know, there's a handful of things that come up for me, right? And one is you mentioned protein synthesis about a million times. And so for the general public, protein synthesis, and you did touch on there at the end, okay, all these individuals get these benefits, whatever. Why is that important to, why do we want to do that? What is that going to do for me? Like, 
Because I think one of the things you and I have spoken once before about, I've taken this, the aminos, and in fact, I drink aminos every day, but what did you notice? And I think that one of the things, this is going to be like case by case, and I'm only speaking to my experience because I haven't done at length studies with a bunch of individuals and have a bunch of data behind me. This is just my experience. So I'm like, I don't feel anything. It's not like some stimulant pre-workout experience where I take it and I'm like, yo, I'm lit. <laughs> my face is tingling or anything like that. None of that is happening. And so there are certain supplements, right, that we will take and not really like know immediately. Like for example, that grass-fed weight you're talking about, if you're going to supplement post-workout with a shake, something in, with protein, you're going to have to be patient there to see, like if you're not just going to immediately the next day be like, well, and now I'm jacked. This is just something that builds over time, takes time. And so why is protein synthesis important to individuals, whether they are aging or they are in their wellness journey, looking to like do their best time at their next race or the broad spectrum? Because my understanding is that this is generally doesn't matter who you are, positively impactful for your quality of life across the board, which is exciting. What the hell is protein synthesis and why do they care? Okay. So there's a quick division when scientists and researchers talk about this between whole body protein synthesis and muscle protein synthesis within health and wellness and particularly fitness circles, we're typically just talking about muscle protein synthesis. Whole body protein synthesis is important because of, I want to make it sound like too obvious, but again, you need all of your organs to function. And so they need to have like, they're made up of proteins. So you need to be consuming proteins and amino acids in order to just maintain healthy function of your organs. On top of that, it has a really big impact on your mental health. So amino acids themselves are the neurotransmitters in your brain or the precursors of those neurotransmitters. So when you don't have healthy protein and amino acid intake, you can experience different types of mood and mental health issues, specifically because you're simply not giving yourself the raw materials that help regulate emotions. Going back though to, well, actually maybe encompassing both of those things, if there's one thing in your body that can be spared to supply all the other parts of your bodies with amino acids, it is muscle. Muscle, it does not only have this primary role of helping you move, like it's the thing that helps you lift things, it helps you walk, it helps you move. It also is the reservoir of amino acids. So if you get injured and you go into a stress response and go into a much more catabolic state, meaning you're breaking down existing proteins to generate more amino acids, or you simply don't eat protein or amino acids for an extended period. Honestly, more than three to four hours you go into this period. So there's all kinds of potential risks with fasting, extended fasting, but it all depends on what the rest of your diet is, activity. Whenever you do that, your body is not going to sacrifice your heart, your liver, your kidneys, etc. It immediately is going to say, let's start breaking down muscle tissue, breaking down the proteins that make up your muscle tissue into the free-form amino acids, put it in the blood, and then service the rest of the body with amino acids so that everything else can function well. So naturally, you want to be consuming amino acids through protein and potentially supplementing through a supplement in order just to maintain healthy function of like your organs, your whole body, basically. You also want to be building and maintaining lean muscle because it is the thing, obviously, it's going to help you maintain activity throughout your life. It is this key reservoir that serves all the rest of your body. So if, God forbid, you get sick, or you have some kind of accident, or you suffer a disease, basically, you, the rest of your organs can live off of it after a while. You can, in some of those situations, also supplement with free-form amino acids to overcome some of that catabolic resistance. But it's like a reservoir. And as people who are younger don't realize it, but once you get to 50, it's very hard to maintain that lean muscle. So you really want to have it. And for the vein among us, 
when you consume protein, you consume amino acids, and you stimulate muscle protein synthesis, it creates something called diet-induced thermogenesis. It increases your metabolism. You burn more calories. And as you have more lean muscle, you burn more calories doing nothing, like simply because you literally have more muscle that's breaking down and that's resynthesizing all the time. So you're just your resting metabolic rate goes up. And when you exercise, you burn even more calories. So if you want to be fit, right, if you want to be lean and toned muscle is like consuming the amino acids themselves, but then also the muscle that they help generate through muscle protein synthesis will help you achieve that goal. Gosh, I love it. Of course, I love it for so many reasons. I'm a resistance training, just I on and on and on about it <laughs> because it is, I mean, it's- Well, that, I mean, do you want to get into that? Because it's a huge impact specifically on resistance training too. So yes, give me just one second and then I'm going to ask you. I didn't even speak about the fitness goals. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I think what's so cool is resistance training, I came to it just because it was just, ultimately it was the vain thing, right? And then over time, I've gotten enough education around it to understand it for longevity and so on. So now I really am having conversations with the people that I love and all of these people at all stages of life about how resistance training is so essential to our longevity and like our vitality is so determined by are we strong? Can we pick things up? Can we move them overhead? Can we get up, get down? Can we carry things? Those are so indicative of like what our lifespan is going to look like and then the quality of our life. So it's so important to do resistance training since that's something I'm on and on about all the time. Then from there, like if I'm a person who is doing resistance training, when, how much, whatever should I be doing? What should I be doing with this this product that you're talking about? So the reason why resistance training is so awesome is because it is basically the greatest stimulus for muscle protein synthesis to help build new proteins. And depending on how you train, it can give you greater muscular endurance or it can give you greater strength or hypertrophy. It depends on how you're training and what you're doing. When you consume protein or amino acids in and around resistance exercise, it increases those gains and it helps reduce the amount of muscle protein, it helps reduce the amount of muscle. And when I say gains, I don't just mean like size. I mean, it can help increase endurance and strength. Now, what's really unique about essential amino acids as a free form supplement, and some of this is like hypothesized, it's all of this is measured. So if you go out and review all the research, it's measured through fractional synthetic rate. They actually measure the amount of amino acids in the blood and the arterial vein before and after exercise. And they can actually measure the exact amount of muscle protein synthesis that occurs. And They've so they've seen it like just it's pure. There's actually like outcomes that show that there's this increase in muscle protein synthesis. But the hypothesis about why it's so much greater with free form essential amino acids than say a whey protein is because you don't have to digest it. It's immediately in your blood that we think that because of the speed at which it's available to the muscle, it itself stimulates muscle protein synthesis, which many kind of gym folks don't believe or don't understand. They're like, no, only the resistance training does it like no actually the literally the consumption of the free form amino acids also stimulates muscle protein synthesis and so if you take free form essential amino acids before before doing resistance training instead of taking whey protein you'll have three times the increase in muscle protein synthesis versus the whey protein and we believe it's because it's so much more accessible to the muscle itself and as we've seen in these crossover studies between essential amino acids a mix of the both or only the non-essential the essential are the thing that is creating all of the muscle protein synthesis. Interesting example too, there's a great NASA study. There are actually a few studies, but there's one that's been more widely published and recognized. They're trying to understand how to help astronauts not lose muscle mass while in space because there's no resistance training. So they conducted a study with participants where they kept them at bed rest, no movement in bed, 28 days, consuming 
15 grams of essential amino acids, similar to Keon aminos, six times a day with a bit of carbohydrate for an insulin response. And at the end of 28 days, the participants had net muscle gain. I was like, like when I really understood that and thought about that, like, how is that possible? You have to move your muscles. It's like they lost strength, they lost endurance, but they actually didn't lose the muscle mass. And that just shows you how potent and how powerful the essential amino acids are themselves particularly in face of catabolic resistance, like if you're not moving as a state of catabolic resistance, but likely you're in a stress response if you're like just not moving, like your body's like, what's going on? Or without even resistance exercise. And when you combine them, you get these incredible impacts. So I'm going on and on about more. If you take before, you'll greatly increase the muscle protein synthesis that occurs during. You also help prevent some muscle protein breakdown. If you take during and you take after, you greatly enhance the muscle, you greatly reduce the muscle protein breakdown, which basically what that means is, again, people kind of have this confused sense of, like, I think I want the breakdown. I need to like tear the muscle and then I need to rebuild it. Like, Actually, if you help prevent the muscle protein breakdown and you increase the amount of muscle protein synthesis, you get more gains in terms of strength, endurance, hypertrophy, and you reduce the amount of soreness and other recovery-related issues. So you have a much faster recovery period. So really, you can't go wrong taking Keon aminos before or during or after or all of them. I think it's really like what fits best into your regimen and naturally like your budget, right? You're not just like, I'm not eating $50 steaks every day, <laughs> even though I love them and they're, I think they're good for me. You know, it's like, you kind of have to choose how much you consume. Sure. Sure. I love that. You know, I think that, that um, from my understanding, which we're still new here, so we're still learning, but with my audience, you know, I've got, I've got a pretty diverse crowd as far as I've got a lot of people who are in this like high performance, you know, I come from a CrossFit background and I freaking love it. And so, you know, we are constantly looking for like, help me deal with me, <laughs> you know? And so something like this is huge for I mean, we want all the resources, right? I want to, I want a cold plunge. I want a sauna. I got to get a lot of sleep. Like we got to optimize, optimize, optimize. And something as simple as taking an amino. I mean, one, they like literally taste good. I will say the watermelon and the mango are my two favorite flavors from you guys. Um, but they taste good. And so who doesn't love a tasty Bev? Uh, but then the idea that they're going to also help me navigate all of this stress load that I'm putting on my body so that I can you know, but then to an individual who's literally just looking from the longevity perspective as well, because a lot of my coaching client, clients, this is a wellness thing. And all we're trying to do is get to where we can just like show up and be happy with who's showing up each day, right? Like we're just trying to optimize life so that we can move well, feel good in our bodies. And so with that, if I'm going to help myself increase my lean mass and things like, like it's a net win, right? So I want to ask you, is there anything else specifically with aminos that you want to touch on? And then I've got a couple of uh, other questions for you that are somewhat unrelated. <laughs> I think we covered it pretty well. I mean, I guess the only thing I just want to highlight for people that maybe they are already familiar with aminos or they are going out and they're seeking, like from this conversation, like, wow, this is really cool. I want, like, I want to find the right product. Everything that I'm speaking to is based off publicly available research and around basically the culmination of the top research labs that have been studying this at universities. And in that, there is a formulation and a guidance for formulation that you want to look for. And so I just, I guess I want to speak to that. Keon Aminos is that. I can't say we're the only ones because I haven't looked at every other brand, but like no one else was really doing it when we made ours. That said, like you definitely want to be looking for these general guidelines. You need all nine essential amino acids. If you're only getting eight, it is not sufficient 
I won't go into all the reasons why, but it's not sufficient. You need all nine. The past thoughts around one being semi-conditional, we've shown now through many studies, you need all nine. You definitely cannot get away with only three. So if you're buying BCAAs or branch chain amino acids, if you take them on their own, they're a waste of your money. Like I would advise different types of vegetarian and vegan, really vegan folks, if you're trying to get proper amino acid nutrition, you really need to think a lot about how you combine different types of protein sources to achieve that. Similarly, if you combine BCAAs with different types of protein sources, you could achieve an optimized amino acid intake. But I feel like it's more trouble than it's worth. Just get a comprehensive essential amino acid supplement because if you take BCAAs on their own, they're a waste of your money. There's great meta-analysis from 2019 that looked at all the research and just showed zero increase in muscle protein synthesis. And then really the formula you want to look for is basically you want the essential amino acids, all nine, in the proportions that they exist in human skeletal muscle. So we have different types of muscle in our body, but literally like the muscle that's biceps, for example, it has a certain composition of the nine essential amino acids. You then want to increase the leucine to be about 40% of the final formula, 35 to 40%. Then increase the isoleucine and valine to maintain their proportions. Increase the lysine because the lysine is slower to get into the muscle tissue and can be a limiting factor otherwise. And then the others basically maintain their original amounts that were part of the human skeletal muscle proportions. You can see what that looks like if you go to getkeon.com. It's transparent. It's on our bottle. Look for something like that. Do not get three amino acid supplements. Do not get eight. And, and definitely don't buy one that doesn't tell you what's even in it. Like there's some companies and products that will, it just says like blend. And so you don't know how much of each amino acid that's ill-advised. You want to be getting a formula that's based off what we actually know about the human body and science. So use those guidelines if you're trying to choose the amino acid supplement. Yeah. I appreciate that. I think that just all of the research that you've done and in formulation of your own products and just out of curiosity to optimize things for yourself, I just appreciate you sharing it with everyone in this way because those are nuances that none of this is inherent knowledge. Nobody just like walks around with this awareness. And I actually, I won't go too far into that, but I was vegan for five and a half years and had my experiences with that of neglecting certain nutrients and different vitamins and minerals and experiencing some repercussions from that because I just was not prioritizing that importantly enough for myself. And so being on this journey of like, oh my gosh, coming to understand through so many years of experience of like, oh man, you know, like an incomplete source is going to have its drawbacks over time. Anyway, I think that we won't go too much further there just because time, but we could certainly have <laughs> plenty more to say about that, but we'll leave that there. So I want to ask you, if you were to give the listener three takeaways that would simply positively impact their lives, could be anything. You have done a ton of work in your own life to optimize it with your nutrition, with your movement, with all things. If you were to give an individual just three things that you're like, dang, do these three things, your days are just going to get better. What would those three things be? Number one is find your meditation. I used to do a lot of sitting meditation. To me, it's transitioned to walking now. I think that the that movement is really good for me, but whether it's walking or sitting meditation or something or breath work where you, everything else is turned off and like you're with your mind and you're watching what's happening in your mind and you're just giving yourself that time. I think doing that every single day will just transform everything else in your life. I think number two is this one. It's interesting. It's hard. I don't know if this is true for everyone else. This is true for me. So this is my truth. Take it or leave it. Take care of someone. 
I think getting married and having kids was such a good thing for me. Just taking care of someone else on a consistent basis every day. It's like, maybe that's a dog for you. Maybe it's having kids, but that's like definitely been, I think I was so scared of it. I was so scared of like the sacrifice and it's been the most enriching, by far the most enriching thing in my life. And number three is have fun. I think that people are, I just love being irreverent. I think just like, like not trying to take myself too seriously or all the stuff so seriously. And just like having this edge of humor and like what comedians even do for our society right now. And like, and laughter at ourselves, like at our weaknesses and our fears and how serious we take ourselves and like everything. It's just having fun and being irreverent is, it's like a dose of magic. Yeah. And you said the, the don't take yourself too seriously thing. I think that I have the wonderful luxury thanks to being here in Austin, Texas, where one of my closest friends now is She's Cody Sanchez. She's like well known for being like a business badass, right? And she totally is. And I love it because even her advice to me sometimes is like, hey, none of this is going to matter. Like zoom out, chill out. And so for someone who's seen as such like a serious person, something that she uh, also lives by. And I, I love that perspective. Okay. What is something that you feel that you are doing well in life that you would like to do better or do more of? I made it every year. Every year, I don't know, for the last 10, 15 years, like I do a mind map for my life that helps me scope out just like what my vision for my life is that year. It's kind of like my who I want to be thing. And the last couple of years I put on there with my kids to just like really listen to them and do what they want to do. I think there's so much in like my parenting thing where I'm wanting to guide them, create structure for them, like uh, help like parent them. (laughs) And I feel like the more that I've kind of like shut up literally just get down like in their world and their frame and listen to them and like what they want to do and listen to like their voices. It's helped me be a way better parent, but I think it's helped me be a way better human. I know I can do more of it. I can see every day, like I'm brush them off a little bit or I have my story of what they should do. And like, I definitely, that's what comes up. I want to do more of that. I want to commit even deeper to just listening to them and following their lead. That's cool. That's really cool. We talked about before we actually hopped on air that one of the phrases that I like love that a friend recently told me, which I'm not a parent at this time, but she said in working through, she's got children and she's working through a journey with her own parenting, her own childhood and trying to forgive her mother as most of us are. And she said, parents are just people who had kids. And it's such a cool thing to give grace to them. And then to also know that like, you're also just a human who chose to have a child. Okay. So what are three things that you are grateful for today, Angela? I'm grateful to hang out with you. This is fun. You're Ray Heck Sunshine, yeah. Claire. Oh, thank you. Good vibes, My shirt, homie. Guys, you yeah, can't good see vibes. It, it's neon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's like neon green. Yeah, and just like your whole your whole vibe. It's just good. It's like, yeah, I'm really grateful. And I'm really grateful for my physical health. I still like lift heavy stuff and run and do Muay Thai, kickboxing, and like just get to do, you know, I get to be like really in my body and really express myself. And I know it's not forever. So I'm really grateful for that. And I am really grateful for, I think just all the humans before me that did all the stuff to like all this like language, like we're having this whole conversation about life and businesses and people and like all these people did all this stuff before that we just like are inheriting it. And now we're like living off their wave. And it's just like so cool. I love that. That's so true. That was one of the things that my brilliant boyfriend said on a podcast we were on a guest on last night. He said like, 
none of this is original. And so therefore I don't get to hold it tight and, you know, cause he's seen as like a pioneer in his space. And he's like, I love watching what everybody else does with it. I love it. And you can just see it. It gets real. And it's really cool to observe him behave that way. It's freeing for him and it's inspiring for others. It's cool. So, okay. Three things I'm grateful for today. I am grateful for young people doing dope shit. <laughs> And sober ones at that, I went on that podcast last night. There were three guys and one of them was a guy that he got sober at age 18. And like, they just did an amazing job. They're in their mid twenties, young or low to mid twenties right now. And it was just cool to watch these guys just be inspired, be fired up, work hard and create something cool. So I'm grateful to get to experience things like that. I am grateful for the daily action of prayer that can look like whatever anybody wants it to look like. But for me, just the action of trying to hand it off to something bigger than me and get out of the way is really a peaceful experience for me. So I'm grateful for being taught that from people before us. And then I'm also grateful for the fact that there's always room for growth and that there's desire to do it. So where can the listeners find you, support you? My website's getkeon.com. So G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com. And then on Instagram, Keon, K-I-O-N. And that's, that's it. It's that simple. I mean, thanks. Thanks for any way you support us. Yeah. Yeah, guys, that'll be in the show notes for anyone who heard it. And that was so straightforward. I don't think anybody's going to struggle, but just in case you do, it'll be in the show notes for you. So just go down there and check it out. So I just want to say thank you to you, Angelo. Thank you for your time, for choosing to spend it here in this way and educate the listeners here and give me your time. It's a gift. And so I appreciate it very much. And I appreciate the work that you're doing to try to provide people with resources to improve their quality of life. It's pretty cool. So If you enjoyed the show, listener, I want to say thank you for still being here. I ask that you please follow the show, rate and review it wherever you're consuming it, and share it with somebody that you think it will positively impact. That is the mission of the whole thing, and that is my biggest ask from you. And other than that, we just hope that you guys have a beautiful day.